your hour of thrive time begins now with your host jay mamie on the jay mamie talk show good day everyone and welcome once again to the jay mamie talk show this is jay mamie and you have now entered your hour of thrive time i want you to know that if you're visiting this program for the very first time you have arrived at the right place at the right time and for the right reasons, especially today when we've got a phenomenal program ahead. So those of you that are visiting, let me just thank you for taking time to join us today for this program. I know that you're going to quickly become a fan of this show. In fact, many of you are going to wonder, where has Jay Mamie been my whole life? I know I can almost hear it now from many of you that are going to wonder, how does this fantastic show escape my hearing for the last almost three years as we are close to celebrating our third year anniversary here on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. And those of you that are returning back, I want to thank you for your, really for your loyalty, because it is your continuing, uh, continuation of listening to this program and sharing it with your friends and family and colleagues and coworkers and posting and emailing and doing all the things that you have done at a grassroots level. It's what allowed this program to reach the height that is reaching, and we are continuing to really expand our our listenership base uh, even more week to week. So thank you for making that a uh, part of your weekly schedule, and thank you for being a loyal a listener to this program. And if you're wondering where to catch all of my prior broadcasts, you can hop onto your favorite podcast platform, and you can binge hear all of the prior broadcasts, or go to my show site, thejmamietalkshow.com. There you'll have a chance to see all of my prior episodes and certainly binge here through that means as well. But today's show is exciting. I love featuring uh, individuals that are making an impact in multiple different industries. And our show is so full of incredible guests who have been able to make impact in their own special way. And through entertainment, certainly you could find a way to shine and, and bring your talent to the world where it impacts others. And I love entertainment. I love comedy. I love music. Coming from a background of entertainment myself, I know the value of changing someone else's perspective, someone else's current uh, emotional state uh, because of a song that they listen to or the words or the lyrics of the poem uh, or, or the, the, the comedic uh, expression of a story as it's being delivered. It has impact. So today's show, our two guests have been able to do that successfully, one of them for a very long time, and one is a rising star in the field of comedy here locally in the DFW area. But our featured spotlight today is none other than the legendary Christian rock band, David and the Giants. They're going to be with us today in this program. I'm excited about hearing their story, having a chance to know of them for, for a little bit of time now. They are a huge tour de force in the Christian rock band genre, and they have been making impact and influence and been inspiring others now for the last almost 50 years. And we're going to hear their story. It's an amazing story. David and the Giants, uh, they'll be here today. David Huff will be here today. And we're also going to have a chance to hear from uh, Keith Thibodeau, who's going to be here with us as well. So we're excited to have them on the show. And on the heels of that, we're going to hear from one of the funniest guys in town. I really mean in town in terms of DFW town. Ronald Alexi is one of these fast-rising comedian uh, actors who is just hitting the ground running out here. And he's got a funny story to share with us today. We're going to spotlight him in our artist spotlight. So it's going to be a fun show. I'm hoping that you are buckled up and ready to go. But before we launch into our rest of our program, uh, yeah, this is one of those moments when People often tell me, hey, Jay, we appreciate you bringing your Thrive Talk. Your Thrive Talk, is, it's usually a couple of minutes, but it, it's just so impacting, and it really sets the premise for a great show. And I appreciate those of you who give me that feedback. But today's Thrive Talk, it's about setting manageable, reasonable expectations. You know, in my line of work, I've been in the people business for a very long time, close to 40 years of being in the people business in one degree or another. And one thing that I can share with you is where I find that people create what I believe are situations that harm them, situations that don't serve them, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's at uh, a job or a business or in a career, or any time that you are developing 
uh, a relationship with someone else, or maybe you are in a leadership position. Where I find that the greatest era that occurs is when expectations are not managed. And let me explain to what I mean by expectations are not managed. You're not on the same page. What you expect of another person, they don't recognize that that is your expectation. So oftentimes they fall short and they may fall short not because they're doing it intentionally. They just don't know what you expect of them. So then you create, uh, you yourself struggle with resentment. Maybe you have a, a, a feeling of, of this person doesn't respect or validate your feelings or your expectation. It's simply because they have no idea what it is you expect of them. And that lack of communication causes a crack. And when you have a expectation crack, little crack, when your relationship is experiencing little cracks because expectations are not being communicated well, expectations are not being managed well, expectations are unrealistically set, those cracks can become gaps. And gaps oftentimes can become canyons. And when your relationship is experiencing expectation canyons, <laughs> you are not going to thrive in that arrangement. So let me encourage you. Learn how to have reasonable expectations, but more importantly, learn how to communicate them so that you and whoever you're developing a relationship with, whoever that person, whoever that group may be, can both thrive because the gap, that canyon, that crack has been settled early on because expectations have been discussed, communicated, and are reasonably, reasonably expected to be achieved. I hope that helps. Folks, we're kicking off a great show. We'll be right back with David and the Giants after the break. Friends, this is Jay Mamie, and I'm thrilled to announce that our merchandise site is now open for business just in time for the holidays. My inspirational quotes, encouragement words, and thought-provoking phrases can be printed on a number of very cool items to help you stay in thriving mode. Make sure to visit my website, thejmamie.com. Look for the store link. Check out the items. Once again, that'll be at thejmamie.com. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. About to have an exciting conversation with a band that has been around for quite a while. I've heard a lot about this band. In fact, when I moved to Dallas from Texas, I met a, a wonderful friend named Elizabeth Waters, who's the CEO of Vision Production. And then the one thing she mentioned to me immediately, within a few seconds of us having a conversation, being the promoter she is, she says, have you ever heard of the band David and the Giants? And I thought to myself, what an interesting question to ask someone when you first meet at a networking event. <laughs> so I thought to myself, she had to be a promoter. And sure enough, she was. So she put this bug in my ear about this David and the Giants. David and the Giants she said, you've got to listen to them when they play locally. Now, I just moved to Dallas. I didn't even know what Kroger's was. And here she's invited me to a concert. Well, two years later, in the uh, as, as a artist spotlight guest on today's program, Liz Waters' persistency has paid off because coming up in a few weeks, this incredible band is going to be playing in Dallas and Flower Mound, Texas, and uh, we have them on the show today as our featured artist uh, spotlight, and we're very excited. They've got a great history, great pedigree. We're going to hear all about their story, what they're about, so please help me welcome to the show David and the Giants and two of their key individuals from the band, David Huff and Keith Thibodeau. Welcome to the program, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Good to be yeah, with thank you. you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. So, you know, we've uh, we I, I've heard a lot about you guys for quite a while. As I mentioned, Liz Waters had mentioned uh, you to me in, a few years ago. And and even uh, about a week ago, I was at another networking event. And another gentleman comes up to me 
older fella, and he starts talking about David and the Giants is coming into town and make sure that you attend their concert. And I say, you know, David and the Giants, these guys are a big deal because not only are they the talk of the town on the on the lips of many, but they're going to be on the show next week. So when he found out that you guys were on the show this week, he got very excited and he said, hey, Jay, well done. These guys are a gold mine in music. So what I want to do, fellas, is I want to take it back. I want to take it back to the beginning. Your band has been in existence uh, way back in the 1960s. David and the Giants began as a rock band in Laurel, Mississippi with the Huff Brothers, David Claiborne and Rayborn. And then along the way, in the 1970s, you switched to a Christian rock format. 17 inspiring albums later, over 20 years. Um, it's a, it's an incredible story. But let's take it way back to the beginning. I'll let whichever one of you decides to start the story. But let's take it back from the beginning and get us up to speed, guys. Great. So I take it that Keith is nominating me to start this off here today. But, <laughs> Absolutely. So, so Jay... Uh, David and the Giants, like you said, was a rock and roll band. And, you know, we uh, opened for groups like Styx and Cheech and Chong, uh, you know, different people like that. And we backed up people like Chuck Berry. And uh, and so I was in the studio with Rod Stewart, uh, the Rolling Stones, when they did a song called Brown Sugar in Muscle Shows. Uh, I was right there with them. And uh, so... We were in the rock and roll world, and that's all we studied was the things that goes with rock and roll. You know the rest of that, so I don't have to go into all the details, but we went off on the wrong path down the road of time. And so it got to be like we needed a change. And the other guy on this phone is uh, so uh, part of my life, more than just being the drummer, more than just being on the I Love Lucy show as a kid actor. Uh, they called him Little Ricky. It was more than all that, but he had an experience with God in the year, I believe, around 1974, and uh, he wanted us to change our music. And, of course, I was with MGM Records at the time, and I didn't want to change at that time. So he quit the band and came back, and one night I was really loaded on drugs, and he told me about this Jesus. And I came down off the drugs, and I realized, Jay, for the first time, since I was just a little boy, I actually felt better hearing about the name of Jesus. So it all started there. And it um, it happened in the year of 1977 that I called United Artist Records. That's who I was with at that time. And I told them that I was only going to sing for the glory of God. And that was for Jesus Christ. And, of course, that wasn't real popular with him. Mm. So he just slammed the phone down. And But, you know... We didn't get into gospel music just to do gospel music. We got into gospel music because God called us to be who we are today. And it's such an honor to be on KLIF. Well, that that's quite the story. And we're going to dive into what that conversation must have been like, David, with your brothers uh, because here you guys are cruising right along. You're playing with all the top bands, Rolling Stones and and uh, all of uh, Chuck Berry. And, and I mean, you're just your career is is in mainstream music. And all of a sudden now here comes Keith and Keith says, hey, I think we you, you we, we need to turn the corner on our genre and, and go into Christian uh, format. I, I can only imagine, David, what that conversation would have been like with you and forget about the the, the music studio. Uh, the record label with your brothers, right? So yeah, we're we're gonna dive into that. I want you to hold on to that thought. But but Keith, here you go. You meet David and and David and the Giants are rock and rolling, and you have uh, a, a, your own epiphany. You have your own uh, experience. What went through your mind when you decided to persuade or convince? Uh, David and his brothers that God was calling you or was, was calling them in a different direction musically. Yeah, you know, I was I was born again and um, um, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. Personal uh, encounter with Jesus that changed my life when I was 24 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went back from that experience um, that it was just an amazing experience back to the guys in the band and, and said, you know, uh, 
there's more to God than what men have led us to believe, and that that the Bible is really the Word of God, and He's coming back, and He's coming back to save those who believe in Him. And I said we have to, you know, we need to change our music style as far as the lyrics go, and change it to Christian lyrics, but just keep the same. You know, we were a rock band, so that's who we are. And uh, I just told him that, and he, you know, they they didn't want to uh, hear all that. You know, um, they didn't want to hear that I had been, um, you know, wanted to change the lyrics to the song because it was like there was there wasn't very many people on our uh, calendar of, of bookings that would book us. You know, if we were a Christian band because we were a club. You know, you know, we were playing concerts and different things. You know, in the secular world. Um, so. You know, little by little, it all kind of, uh, uh, like David said, you know, uh, just caught David at certain moments in his life when he was really down and really depressed and and, uh, and, and told him about Jesus and left a Bible, uh, gave him a Bible to read. And uh, one thing led to another, and he talked to his brothers, and David uh really began to see how how uh, real God was and uh, and then we all became you know believers so when you decided that you were going to change genres and, and switch into um, to a Christian rock format I, I have to imagine at that time right back in the 70s uh, Christian rock wasn't popular at all I mean you hit the nail on the head there Keith uh, it wasn't like you would have had sold-out shows and it was this, this hunger for Christian rock music. I mean, that format didn't become popular for a while. But uh, So you guys were the pioneers, really, of uh, Christian rock format. Isn't that true? We Well, what it was was that we, um, we, we did. We were pioneers. Um, and we had, you know, we started in a secular world with secular people, unbelieving people. And we knew that, you know, David, when he said that, you know, you know, we're not going to get so many bookings that way. And and who who's going to come out to see us? You know, mm-hmm. um, it was from that from that standpoint, uh, kind of pre um, Christian uh, explosion uh, when the, the, when the music really started exploding in the 80s. In the 80s. Right. Yeah. So we. We we weren't we weren't even really thinking at that point of Christianity as far as as far as churches and that kind of thing. We were, I was just thinking we'd just be more, you know, talking about God in our music. I had no idea that that there was even such a thing as Christian music. I mean, other than like gospel and and um, you know choirs and things like that. So, David, what was that conversation like with Claiborne and, and Rayborn when you said, "Hey"? Um, I think God wants us to change format. And and what did it take to really convince them to leave the trajectory that you guys were on in the, the, the traditional rock genre to switch? I mean, what, what, how did that happen? Well, it happened one night. It started with Keith and then it, it then it came to me, you know, that, um, Keith just told me one night when I was loaded on drugs, he said, man, he said, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, about what? He said, Jesus. And of course, he tried to talk Jesus to me many times before, but I would just shut him out of my head because when you're on drugs, you can shut the world out. And so I just shut him out for a little ways because we were driving together from Jackson, Mississippi, back to Laurel. We played for uh, Mississippi State University. They had like a, a... a frat party up there and everybody going crazy. And so we went crazy with him, but Keith didn't. So he, he was sober and he rode back with me. And so somewhere along the way, he kept on talking about Jesus. And I came down off the drugs and he was still over there talking Jesus. And so I just started listening and it started making sense, Jay. And then lo and behold, he puts a Bible in my room. And so I started reading it. And most of all, I started believing it. And so when I started reading it and believing it, I thought, this is really the truth. And so we'd always had a Bible sitting around the table at my mother and daddy's, you know, out there in the country in Mississippi. But, you know, it was just a dusty Bible that nobody ever picked it up and read it. 
And it was just a book there. But all of a sudden, it became alive to me, you know. And so I was in the car with my brother Rayburn. Uh, uh, he was doing something in the studio, and I was taking him home. And uh, he was smoking a joint. And I said, uh, Rayburn, you know, there's more to the Bible than what man told us. And he did like this. And, you know, he, he suck in on that joint. He's a man, I don't want to hear about it. Those, those were verbatim words that were spoken. I said, Raven, there's more to the Bible than what man told us. And his answer was, man, I don't want to hear about it. And so I said, it. I didn't say another word. Two weeks later, he was reading the Word of God, smoking a joint, reading uh, and, and uh, you know, drinking wine. And so my brother Clayton, I, I don't have enough time uh, on our for, uh, broadcast here to tell the whole story, but I'm trying to rush through it. But anyway, so he and my brother Clayton were living together in, in this certain house. And so Raven was reading this, the Bible and smoking a joint, drinking wine. And Clayton walks to the bedroom to go to the bathroom because the only way you get to the bathroom Bathroom has come through Raven's room. So Raven said, Clayton, let me read you something. Now, they're identical twins, by the way. So my brother Raven read Clayton a small scripture out of the Word of God, and Clayton just walks on in the bathroom. So Raven didn't think anything about it. He just thought he didn't want to hear about that. So Clayton comes back out of the bathroom, and he was crying. And Raven said, what's wrong? He said, man, we got to turn from sin. And Raven said, no man can do that. Well, in a lot of ways, that's exactly the truth, because without God, you know, you can't do a whole lot of things. But God helps you through the situation. So it was just shortly after that that my two brothers completely, uh, my mother said that they had freaked out. And mm. and so they, they started selling everything, giving things away. And uh, and, and and so that that's the way it unfolded. And and uh, but I, I was still. You know, in the rock and roll world, I still ain't really completely given up everything to serve the Lord. But my two brothers did first, and Keith. Wow, that's just uh, it's it's a phenomenal, inspiring story. That's why I wanted to spend the first segment of this interview uh, taking that deep dive into the history of the band. I mean, you don't have a band as successful as as you uh, guys are for as long as you've been, unless there's a deep wonderful story to it that has roots that go back uh inspiring roots that go back to the beginning when we come back after the break keith i want to ask you how has your music impacted others for so many years how has it impacted others and a bunch more questions i'm going to ask you guys a fascinating conversation that we're having with david and the giants with david huff and keith thibodeau and we'll be right back after the break don't have the time, money, or talent to grow your business? Call Evergreen Sales Group. Evergreen Sales Group is a fractional sales management firm built to help small business owners to have the benefits of Fortune 1000 companies for one-sixth the cost. They focus on sales so you can focus on your business. Go to evergreensales.group for a free, well-set motivational assessment for your team. $200 value, www.evergreensales.group. Planning a vacation should be a blast and not a pain in the ass. Let Evolution Travel by Mary Margaret Denson take the stress out of deciding where to go, where to stay, and what to do while you're there. They will customize your trip to fit your style, personality, and budget. Evolution Travel is your one-stop travel shop. The best trips start with preparation and awareness and end with exhilaration and a lifetime of memories. Evolution Travel by Mary Margaret Denson. Online at myevoagent.com slash marymd. Denson. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Having a fantastic conversation with two of the incredible members of David and the Giant Band, David Huff and Keith Thibodeau. By the way, I kept saying Thibodeau in the prior segment. I want to correct that. It's actually Keith Thibodeau. But Keith, when we wrapped up the last segment, there was a question that I asked you. I want to repeat it. And uh, and I think it would be a question that many would want to know, considering the success of the band. How do you feel that your music has impacted others? 
Man, I just feel like uh, we've heard stories through that throughout the years, and we we still hear these stories of people who either either came to salvation through one of our concerts where we we have an altar call, we have a time of of um, a prayer and, and ministry, and uh, either that or they came to the Lord after that or they were impacted in such a way it kept them from suicide mm. um, and, and other type uh, stories such as uh, I became a pastor, you know, but, but, but yours was the first message I heard of the gospel, you know, and, and I came to the Lord during one of your uh, concerts in, you know, someplace in Cincinnati or, or, you know, wherever. So we hear those kind of stories. And uh, it's really cool, you know, just to hear people say, "Just I just love the music. It's it's so inspiring. It's ministering. Mm. It it you know, if I'm down, I I just play your music. I just crank it up, play it, and it just uplifts me." You know, I think the greatest, probably the 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 most impactful words of encouragement that anybody can hear, regardless of what format. They are pushing forward, whether they're authors, uh, uh, leadership uh, and leadership positions in a company or band members or singers. I think the greatest amount of encouragement you can hear is when someone says that based on the works of your hand, my life was changed. I'm a better person because of what you put out there. I'm a better person. Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. When I get those comments and those testimonies, uh, testimonials and text messages and emails and Facebook messages from people who've read my books, um, I know at that moment that it didn't matter how much money I made or how much money I didn't make. The fact that that person's life was impacted by something that I sat down to do made the whole journey worthwhile. Yeah, if, it, awesome. if, if it's only yeah. for one person, one person yeah. whose life has changed, the whole thing was worth it. Isn't that right? That's right. Amen. That's right. Yeah. So, so David, let me ask you, brother, how would you say, because uh, now you've got the 50, almost 50 year history of Christian rock uh, uh, performances and music and albums and so on and so forth. How has the genre, how has Christian rock music changed, in your opinion, over time, considering you guys were one of the early pioneers? You're so right about that. Well, you know, when we came to the Lord, um, you know, Jay, I, I didn't tell this part, but uh, I didn't just jump into doing Christian music because the church that I was brought up in, they were very, very conservative. And I mean, ultra conservative. Mm-hmm. And so anything that sounded uh, out of the ordinary, if it wasn't like uh, four guys in a tie, you know, and a piano player, uh, then it most of the time wasn't accepted. And then for a rock and roll band to come into the church, that's saying something. But when you're called, you know, God will make a way. And so where I was going to church, uh, my two brothers went there also. And so the pastor one day, because I gave up music, and I was only going to just learn to tune pianos. That's what I was going to do for a living. And then the pastor said, wait. Take back up your guitar and use it for the Lord. And, and he said, I'll go out with you, and we'll have altar calls, and people will get saved. And that sounded great to me. So we went, we started going out, and we tried to, you know, the Bible says to, that Paul, he said, I became all things to all men that I might win some. So we just kind of toned our music down just a little bit. But before we knew it, we just started letting it go. And when we started letting it go, you know, we, we lost a few people in the church. Uh, you know, they they come there, and sometimes they'd be filled up, but time about halfway, uh, you know, some of them be done gone. But uh, so through time, you know, time brings changes. And, and now today, uh, you know, our style of rock, style of music, you know, that's what they do on a Sunday morning now. Mm-hmm. And so, but back, in the 70s, it was not popular at all, but it was with the young people. And those young people are a little older now, so 
but I, I got to say, when you say we've been around for 50 years, that doesn't even sound real because I still feel like we're just beginning. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I noticed right away when I was doing my homework and, and uh, in preparation for this uh, interview, is I'm so happy that I did, was I've seen how over the last 50 years, you guys, you guys have had the haircuts to style uh, the current generation that you're in. I mean, from the monkeys to uh, to to the hippies. I mean, it's all there. <laughs> you know. So if nothing yeah. else, if nothing else, at least you've had the hairstyles to go along with the last fifty years. <laughs> there you go, Jay. <laughs> I love it, brother. And by the way, you're absolutely right. When you have a calling, time is irrelevant. Thank you. When you have a calling, brother, time is irrelevant. So 50 years, you're just getting started. You're absolutely right. Uh, let me well, ask you. Spoken. Thank you, brother. Let me, well, Keith, Brett, go ahead. Go ahead. Brother, I was just going to say, we don't believe in retiring. We believe in refiring. Woo, I like that. I like You're that, on, man. Bro. See that? You Come heard on. it right here. Yeah. See, in our show, uh, on our show sometimes, I get excited when my guests drop what I call knowledge bombs. And brother, you just dropped a nuclear one right there. I like that. <laughs> it's not retiring, it's refiring. And oh, yeah. boy, how many people need to hear that one? And, and yeah. even, even even this, you know, the word retire, you know, that R E and retire, that comes like it's 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 a it's the root is like return and then tired, like returning to being tired. Mm. That's good stuff, who man. Wants, who 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 wants to be returned to being tired? That's right. Yep. That's right. Be active, right? That's right. That's yeah. right, brother. That is right. So let me ask you this in the last few minutes that we have. Uh, I'll ask you, uh, the question is for the both of you, and you could take turns in answering it, but which album, lots of albums, right? Lots of, uh, lots of uh, albums in, in, your, in your great history there, but which album has been the most meaningful, personal to each of you? David, go ahead. Wow. And I'll well, answer. They're just, every album is like your own little baby. And each one represents something very special. Because there's no one of David and the Giants' album that you're going to pick up is going to sound like the one prior or the one after. They're all individuals. But if you're pinning me down to one album, I guess maybe... Uh, but they are, I would say everyone on, but I'll just say strangers to the night because it, it, it was, it was, uh, very, I feel like everyone's anointed of God and we didn't ever go into a recording session except we would ask for God to anoint. And I felt like, and feel like he was in every one of them, but I would probably say that one particular one would stand out. Excellent. Yeah. I, yeah, I like I like strangers. I mean, I, like David said, every every album has its own personality and memories, and and uh, you know we played in concert different albums, you know. But I, I would I would say my favorite album would be Riders in the Sky, uh, and that's only because that was before Strangers, but it was a it was a very you know hard more hard rock, but it was uh, I just remember us working that album up. Uh, we rented a house in um, on, on a beach in Florida during that time, and uh, worked worked on some songs, and it was just an amazing thing. I mean, there there were people walking by, and they'd hear us rehearsing, you know, a song that we were working up and and uh, you know writing, and we just kind of it was just kind of an interesting time, and they would say. We thought that we thought that was Led Zeppelin in there. We didn't know who. We said, "Who are you?" Mm. <laughs> and they said, Is that "Led Zeppelin in there recording, you know, or or rehearsing." And then, um, just real quick, the second album that I think is one of my favorite is "Still Rocking," uh, because that's a live album that was recorded in Pearl, and uh, it's just got a lot of energy and just it's just it just sort of captures our our concert sound. In a, in a very, uh, very good way. Guys, in our final minute, I, I cannot let you uh, go without really digging a little bit deeper into the, the secret sauce of success for a band that has played over 50 years. You know, bands come and go. The average life cycle for a band is eight to nine years, if that. 
to to be together, to still be playing together and still attracting massive crowds together 50 years later, 30 seconds each, guys, what's the secret of a successful band that, that is able to do that? Keith, David, you need to say... I believe that success would have to begin with just personalities. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't dictate that you've got to be the greatest musicians to stay together because a lot of times the greatest musicians can't stay together. Mm-hmm. It's usually the ones that are a little less, but there's a certain thing that comes with those guys. It's a certain sound. And I'd like to say this for David and the Giants. We're a family first because God called us into this family. And um, the Bible says that Paul said, I die daily. And, you know, it's not my will, but it's God's will. And so it's been God's will all the way that we be together. And so we're together because he's in uh, He's in each one of us. And, and how long we'll be doing this? Uh, there's no end to eternity. Yeah, and, and I think that's that was said well. Uh, we, like David said, you know, we're we're family. We we kind of grew up, grew up together, um, like a family. You know, the band, and we also came to the Lord together, and so we share in a lot of different life experiences and testimonies that you know, and memories. And and tours, uh, whether it's all over the U.S. or whether it's in England or it's in Jamaica, wherever we went, uh, we share in that. And I, I, I think the, the 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 main fire, the main nucleus of our fellowship is the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Mm. So that that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the both of you being on the show. I just want to let our listeners know this incredible band, David and the Giants, can be found online. You'll also find their information up at our website, thejmamietalkshow.com. But the upcoming show that I made mention of earlier in the beginning of the program is actually happening coming up now March 3rd, so there's plenty of time to... Get uh, Buy your tickets. Uh, it's going to be held at the Manatech Auditorium. This is going to be uh, March 3rd. By the way, that's in Flower Mound in Texas. I'm sorry, March 4th, rather, at 7 p.m. at the Manatech Auditorium. You can visit bringitontour.org, bringitontour.org to buy your tickets. And, uh, hey, guys, since I'm going to be uh, there, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys in person. Same here. All That's right. Great, man. I appreciate Follow you guys. Me. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you soon. God bless you. God bless. Thanks. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Visions Productions International brings you the legendary Christian rock band David and the Giants, performing March 4th at 7 p.m. at the Manatech Auditorium in Flower Mound. Join them for an enjoyable and inspiring evening with David and the Giants. Tickets on sale now at bringitontour.org. All proceeds to benefit the David and the Giants Mission Fund. David and the Giants, live at Manatech Auditorium, March 4th. Get tickets today at bringitontour.org. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Today is the day that we are featuring artist spotlights. We've had a fantastic conversation with our prior uh, feature spotlight. And today we're going to have a conversation with Ronald Alexi, who is the, uh, he's one of the fastest growing local comedians here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's an actor, comedian. He's also a philosopher, which is a big deal because you don't find too many comedians and actors that are also philosophers. So I'm dying to hear what his philosophy is all about. Yeah. <laughs> But he's here in studio today, Ronald Alexi, the founder of the Alexi Show. You can find him on Instagram. Ronald, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my philosophy is that both teams play hard, my man. Both teams play hard. So when you say both teams play hard, yes. uh, what do you mean both teams? And what teams are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about in general, in life, there's there's two sides. and It's not just basketball or football. It's It's also something like, you might get the job, mm-hmm. but it means somebody else out there didn't. That's right. 
You know, so it's so there's always two sides to a coin, and in all those moments, both teams are playing hard, and this, that's my philosophy about life, and it's also it's Taoism, is that that's a big part of it's the yin and the yang. That's right, right? It's it's the seesaw. It's uh, you might be going your your marriage might be going great, but at the same time, maybe you're not working out as much, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's always a seesaw. Both teams play hard, and I think that's my uh. That's that's my philosophy of taking. I like that, brother. I like that. Let's take it back a little bit, okay? Uh, let's get our listeners up to speed a little bit on your story, where you come from. How did you move into the world of comedy and acting, and and we'll pick up from there. Well, I think I think comedy is uh, found me. Mm-hmm. I think I started by watching The Simpsons. I uh, would watch Martin. I would watch The Wayne's Brothers. I would watch Married with Children. And watching it, I think I realized I study this art form of comedy. And by the time I got to college, I started doing stand-up, started going to the, to the comedy club. I'm actually a philosophy major. I was oh, really? A philosophy and a government major. And There's tons of comedy there, that's for sure, in government. <laughs> they, yeah, lots, yeah. Especially com- these days. Yeah, and, and so that's where it started, uh, where the journey began. I'm from Garland. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's it's that's a comedy in itself. Mm-hmm. Right, when you go to Garland, which is I think coincidentally why Mike Judge is able to write those movies, Idiocracy, is because he was from Garland. Mm. Right, Idiocracy, um, uh, King of the Hill. Right, right, right. I think it's it's some of my comedy ends up being about the things that I saw in Garland. Right, um, that thing with John Redcorn, he jumps out the window and he's running through the alley. Mm-hmm. That to me is a very Texan thing, <laughs> you know. It's it's it, and I think he have being from Garland, he had access to that, and uh, just it ends up in my comedy. Yeah, sometimes your your environment becomes your greatest uh, material for uh, for your stick, right? Mm-hmm. Where you grew up, people around you, friends, family, and they they become the greatest material that you can pull from. That's right. To get some funny stuff out there. Uh, but let me ask you this. So what inspired – you mentioned a bunch of great shows, right? Mm-hmm. But what inspired you then? Because you come from a world of business, right? Business and philosophy. And and all of a sudden, you, you take this leap of faith to go into the world of comedy. What inspired you to do that and who inspired you the most? Well, I, I think it's actually – to kind of go back, fundamentally, I think when whenever I came into this planet – my designer said, this is a comedian. Mm-hmm. And he also has other qualities too. And so I went into business because there was a man who inspired me who actually, he had been he had been homeless at one point. Okay. Ten years later when I met him, he was a millionaire. Okay. And he was actually through insurance. Wow. So he, he turned his life around and he has this agency in Chicago to, to this day. Uh, without him... I would have not have gone into insurance, but he really talked about the concept of uh, generational wealth and kind of the way that the next generation doesn't have to start over, mm-hmm. which I thought was important because, you know, to that point, and my parents, my dad is from Mexico, right? My mom's from El Salvador, but it they weren't giving me financial li- literacy skills right? till he talked to me about it. And he really inspired me the way he turned his life around. The way those concepts, mm-hmm. um, I thought thought those were important things to learn, and then I wanted to talk to people about it. And it's like, cause cause me, I think of myself as uh, an intelligent guy. So whenever I get excited about an idea, I'm just like, okay, if this makes sense to me. I think the whole world should know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why I got into into business because of, because of him, and yeah. So and and a lot of my story has been business and comedy, business and. Business and comedy, business and comedy. So let's talk about comedy here. You, you've you got a funny uh, number of uh, funny ways to look at things, especially not only being in business and sales and relationships. What are some of the those those, those interesting, funny experiences that you can share with the audience? Well, it's, it's just kind of, you know, one thing I'm not successful at is uh, in dating. You know, mm-hmm. not been successful at that. I thought by now I would have been married four times, <laughs> you know. You know, I was, when I was 18 years old, you know, I thought I'm going to get married four times. First time is going to be because I'm young. Mm-hmm. Second time because I was drunk. Right. Third time for the money. Big goals. And, and the fourth time for love. 
All right. So that was the way that that was going to work out, but it hasn't worked out that way. So you're not even up to one yet? Not even up to one. So you're running behind the clock here, brother. Yeah, I got four more to go. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you get on the dating apps and that's, um, you know, yeah, you try it that way. Um, sometimes the dating app asks you, what are you looking for? You know, are you looking for something casual or something serious? And at this point, I'm just looking for whatever I can afford. <laughs> that I mean, really. And so, but you know, you go through the, through the whole dating fiasco and um, some of the girls that you meet, the dis, the dis, yeah, the heartbreaks of it. And that's funny in itself. Mm-hmm. That's funny in itself. I th- in fact, I'd like to, I don't know if I can, if I, I can, I'd like to at some point produce a little web webisode series about local Dallas stories of dating stories. It should be a minute long to three minutes, mm-hmm. but that's, a, that's, that's another aspect of me as, as a, as a creative where, you know, we get ideas for sketches. We should shoot sketches, you know? And so you'll, they'll, the, the, the viewers will see that on the Alexi show Instagram. Okay. Some of those sketches are, will be on there. So what are some of the funny stories that you think you'll find that people are going to find, especially from this, uh, this, this dating experience that you're also, also going to chronicle in your show. Yes. Uh, but what are some of these, uh, interesting situations that it's common to all of us in the dating scene? See, the thing is that most guys don't realize about women is that if a woman loves you, she's willing to overlook a lot of things just to feel the same way from you. But, Really, some of some of y'all, some of these guys want to be broke, ugly, and have multiple baby mamas, and still cheat on them. See, the thing is, look, because I think about it, look, man, and who who these guys that sometimes a woman might fall in love with, I'm like, and I see his Facebook status, and I it says, and I think to myself. Your man, man crush Monday is on Facebook talking about out here trying to get this money. Tell him to shut the hell up and give me twenty on pump two. That's really that's really the way I think about it. So it's um, but in all honesty, as we go through it, for example, man, I got pulled over by the police the other day, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It was never a good thing. No, I got a speeding ticket. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he rolled down the window and he said to me, you speak English? I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, I speak English. He's like, okay. And he wrote me still. All right, still. You shouldn't be going that fast. You're going 60 and a 40. Here's a ticket. It's like, oh, man. And in my mind, I was thinking, damn, I was going to use this money to upgrade my dating app. Like there's a dating app budget. <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah, that's uh that's really actually a thing. You know? So for me it's it's sometimes it's the tragedy is uh kind of you have to kind of look through a lot of people. Sometimes you got to kiss a lot of frogs before you meet somebody that you like. This is true. Right? I so you know, and some things might be innocent. Like I remember calling a girl and saying, "Hey, let's go to. Uh, hey, you want to get some drinks?" And she said, "Sure, sure. Come pick me up." Okay, sure. Picked her up. We went to we went to go have some drinks, and she had, she drank I don't know, maybe four, five, maybe six drinks. I don't remember. And she passed out in the car. And then it was okay. I got to take her home, and she wouldn't wake up. And it was, and it became, how do I get her up? And I had to sit there and just babysit her for hours till she woke up. Some date. Yes. And then she did it again. And then you realize this is an alcoholic. And so Mm. then you meet another girl and she does the same thing where she'll just have too many drinks and she'll fall asleep. And you're just like, one time. I just like no no I'm not doing this anymore. I went I I opened my my passenger door. I put her on my shoulders, right? Walked her up to the porch. Put her on the porch. Rang the doorbell. 
got in the car, saw them open the door. They looked at me. I looked at them. And I drove off. Man, it's hard to find. It's hard to find a girl sometimes, you know. And that's that's really what I what I have to. Uh, what a lot of us are dealing with. Mm-hmm. Jay, are you are you married? I am, brother, and uh, thank God. <laughs> thank thank God. If that's the way it is, <laughs> you know. And it, it's like, for example, like I was telling my 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 sister in law. She asked me, "What is it that you're looking for?" And I'm like, "I think I'm a simple guy." You know, I want a girl, a girl who's pretty, a girl who's easy to get along with, and a girl that doesn't have any kids. And she said to me, maybe you're setting your standards too high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to know those were high standards. And I said to her, listen, I'm ch- this girl, she has a felony and I'm trying to give her a chance. <laughs> you're very kind <laughs> I'm trying to give her I'm trying to you know like I, I feel like sometimes I should um, there was this I feel like uh, John Stamos sort of in these um, these roles he has to recreate mm-hmm. about trying to find love right you know and uh, he, he can't find, trying to find love in the city and he just kind of goes through uh, his life and he's just like this this handsome guy who gets all these girls and he just feels empty from getting all of them. I'm not quite to that extent, but I really much relate to the character. Well, listen, John, uh, uh, I I just called you John. I just put you in character. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ron, we appreciate you being on the show here. Can you let our audience know where they can learn more about you, your comedy, and if you're performing anywhere locally anytime soon? Yes, you know, I'm, I frequent a few a few different clubs. Uh, Dallas Comedy House, uh, TK's, uh, the Backdoor Comedy Club. Those are those are my home home clubs. The Alexi Show on Instagram. That's where you can uh, find me sketches, material, promotional material, and uh, TikTok. The Alexi Show, and that's spelled uh, A L E X Y. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna have your information up at our site anyhow, so people could track you down that way. It's been awesome having you, brother. You are the artist uh, spotlight, the uh, in the realm of comedy for today's show. We appreciate being on the program, folks. That wraps up another fantastic week of thrive-minded content as we featured artists today that are making a difference. Not only in their own community, but really in the lives of others because of the goodness they bring, whether it's music, whether it's comedy. And we appreciate what these individuals do for all of us to help us thrive, especially when we are in places where we need some inspiration in order to get to the next level of thriving. So we appreciate them. Appreciate you being here as a listener. We'll catch up with you next week. Until then, keep thriving.